This episode is sponsored by the Turmeric Co. The Turmeric Co. creates great taste in turmeric shots that harness the power of natural ingredients to support individuals on their wellness journey, offering anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, energy and immunity booster benefits. Welcome back to Mouthpiece. I'm Savage Dan. I'm Paulie the Magic Man, Malinaji. As always, remember to like, comment, subscribe, send us videos, all of that. And this episode is brought to you by the Turmeric Co. Um, let's have a look at the weekend results. Paulie, everything good with you this weekend? Yeah, yeah. Everything good so far. Italy is in the semifinals of the European Cup. I am uh, ecstatic. It does look like it's going to be an England-Italy final. It is. Obviously, there's two it does. I, road I, bumps. I, and and I and I'm getting a lot of the uh, DMs that it's coming home and it's coming home and I'm getting more and more of them. But you know, as I love the UK fans and they've given me so much joy through the years. But we're on opposite sides of the of the battlefield here, guys. It's not coming home <laughs> if Italy has anything to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, having a look at this weekend's boxing results, uh, Chris Colbert had a very good win uh, against Nyamba, who who was a, a silver medalist at the Euro, at, not the Euros. Sorry, football's on my head at the Olympics. <laughs> um, what do you make of the fight? Uh, I thought it was a class performance by Colbert. I actually think Tuxat Nyambar is a more difficult opponent than uh, yeah. than Gamboa would have been. I think Gamboa is a, a, a bit past it. Sure, he's a bigger name, but uh, he's a bit past it uh, and uh, not at his best anymore. Tuxat, the only advantage I would have seen going into the fight uh, for Colbert like that sticks out to you was that Tux thought it was more of a featherweight. You know, he fought Gary Russell for the world yeah. title, but he was a durable guy, uh, Olympic silver medalist, and really, really a, a solid, solid fundamental fighter. Um, I guess he was able to take the fight at 130 pounds because it was sort of last minute, but a guy like Tux thought also doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who ever lets himself get too much out of shape. Seems like a disciplined guy, and obviously from the way we saw the fight, he did come in shape, but a terrific win for Colbert. For me, this is the the best win of his career. Obviously, he was on prime time, just like his name says so. It was on, uh, you know, he's a main event and on a, a big show. And I think uh, going forward, he's uh, he's a guy he's a guy to look for. You know, I I've always been high on him. I've seen him since he's a kid in, in Brooklyn. So I've I've kind of been up to up to speed on Chris Colbert uh, before a lot of the world was, and I kind of could see that he was going to be a, a future stud uh, in boxing. But um, now I think he's in a position to start getting these bigger names. Uh, he's beating better and better fighters. And I think he's in the conversation for uh, very, very big fights, can make very good money, and uh, really can start to look to build a legacy. It did look like a good win, to be fair. And, and uh, a good account was given of himself by Nyamba. I, yeah. I felt like he was tough. Um, obviously, when, when you've got an amateur pedigree and, and you've got an amateur background like that, it, it just sets you up. It means that you're better at going into fights last minute. You know how to look after yourself. You know what you're looking for. And he did give Colbert a couple of, I wouldn't say gut checks, but he definitely put put the pressure on now and then in the yeah. fight. And that was one thing that I knew that would happen. You know, uh, that's why I was sort of happy that Nyambar being a little bit undersized would be, the guy, would be that kind of guy to put this kind of test to Colbert because uh, just in case it would... Uh, it wouldn't be a guy who's his size, and he could kind of learn from it and uh, and uh, and and get better from it. You know, I, Tux, the one thing about Tuxtad that it probably separates him from a lot of uh, Chris's previous opponents, and they've been fought some pretty decent opponents, but uh, this one quality I was looking for was that Tuxtad's staying power, durability in a fight where not, you can make him uncomfortable, but he's not going to just sit back and remain uncomfortable and let you take over the fight. Where even if you don't stop him, he's kind of mentally given in and he's not going to 
press the fight. Tug style, you can make him uncomfortable, but he's ready and willing to make you back uncomfortable. So he's gonna he's gonna roar back at you, uh, if uh, if given the chance, regardless of how, of what advantage you may have had earlier in the fight. I noticed it in the Gary Russell fight, and I noticed he showed this quality in in, in fighting Chris on on Saturday as well. But I was glad to see Chris maturely get through it, stay poised, and uh, again yeah. a, a big win for me, the best win of his career. Yeah, for me as well. Did did you ever have um? Any aspirations of going to the Olympics? Is that ever in your mind? Yeah, yeah, of course. I think I think everybody who has an amateur career who wants to go to the Olympics. I always had like a sort of like a mental check mark of everything I would do, um, or or the goals I would set for myself. Some I accomplished, some I didn't. Um, mm -hmm. But you set enough of those goals, you're gonna find yourself setting the bar so high that you're gonna you know have a good career. And obviously, there was the simplest from when I walk into the gym, the simplest thing like my first sparring session. You know, uh, that was a check yeah. mark. My, then my first amateur fight, that was a check mark. You know, my first the local Golden Gloves title, that was a check mark. My first national title, yeah. that was a check mark. Uh, and Olympics was also one of the check marks. I didn't accomplish it, um, but uh, it was one of those check marks that you know there was obviously a few that I didn't accomplish on my goals list. But like I said, if you if you set enough of those goals, you're going to uh, accomplish enough of them because you're going to set the yeah. standards and you're, the bar so high, you're not going to be satisfied, uh, especially the satisfaction of accomplishing one of those goals. You're going to realize, OK, I still have this one, this one, this one, this one and this one still to go. You know, yeah. so I've got to get there, you know. So so I remember always uh, being in the locker room for certain with some of those goals, the night of those goals, you know, like my, my pro debut, uh, my first yeah. world championship fight, you know, uh, things like that, you know. Um, where, uh, you know, you, you kind of get through them. So the Olympics was one of them. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, the, Olympics, uh, the Olympics was one of those goals. I, I didn't qualify, and it was very disappointing. But I also didn't give myself really a lot, a big chance. I, was, uh, I started boxing in 1997, and I was trying to make the 2000 Olympics, which was really yeah. a, a quick turnaround for me. It would have been, I, of course... You know, you couldn't convince me otherwise. So I, I, I tried really my hardest. You know, and, I, and it made me, uh, it made me a better fighter. I think because looking, yeah. if I looked at somebody who boxed, if started boxing a couple of years ago and was going to make the Olympics, I'd probably say they don't have much of a chance. But I, you couldn't convince me otherwise. So when I didn't make yeah. it, I, I was crying. <laughs> I was crying. When I got eliminated in the, in the eliminators. <laughs> I was crying. You know, but uh, it was, uh, it was still. It's a big, big. Uh, piece of the puzzle if you plan on having a pro career or even if you don't it's just yeah. you, you build your legacy i remember um i'm friends with james de gale and one thing i reminded james of always at the end of his career and towards the end of his career no matter what cha world championships are nice i've won world championships you won world championships but keep in mind what you're going to appreciate the most out of everything years from now is an olympic gold medal you've got that olympic yeah. gold medal and man nobody can take that away from you and that gets yeah. respect on all facets in business in sports in life i mean people say you're a world champion boxer they yeah it's it gets respect but not everybody understands that you know yeah an olympic gold medal uh, the olympics are the olympics everybody gets yeah. it understands it and so you come with an olympic gold medal i, I told i remember telling them that's what you're going to really hold to your highest standard and yeah and uh it, it really is something special that everybody would want and i think even guys that have had legacy filled careers like sugar ray leonard i mean he, i think he talks mm -hmm. about his gold medal as, as a major accomplishment i remember pernell yeah. whitaker saying it's the same huge. thing so so uh, it it is a big big piece of the puzzle if you plan on having a boxing career or if you're just if you're an athlete in general uh chris colbert's just just to go back to it um when i when i looked at him and he walked in the ring i thought he was matching more than he needed to he had the hair that went with the shorts <laughs> yeah, yeah went with everything it was it was good yeah. um have to bring it up seeing as you are probably the most notorious person for 
haircuts in and out the ring and haircuts being received whilst in the ring, all of that. Um, what do you make of, of uh, his hairstyle? Well, Chris is Brooklyn, you know. I'm from Brooklyn, Chris is from Brooklyn. So we kind of always have that loud pizzazz to us, you know, that uh, yeah. that uh, sort of, you know, if we're misunderstood, we'll probably be considered obnoxious, you know. And uh, yeah. it's funny because I remember Chris as a kid, right, and I, remember, I always thought he was talented, but I remember him being like the annoying kid in the gym, you know what I mean, the annoying yeah. kid. I'd be at my press conferences and he'd just be asking stupid questions, like being, being uh, you know, I'm taking like – questions from reporters and Chris would be around like asking stupid questions like I remember he was with Broner and Judah when I fought them so I was like but well, it's kids from Brooklyn and he's like just you know he's hanging around the opposition you know so yeah. and then and he had access to everywhere because everybody knew him you know so even as a kid he had access to everywhere mm-hmm. I remember when I fought Judah I fought Judah I was wrapping my hands for the fight you know I was getting my hands wrapped I was in the locker room uh, getting my hands wrapped and I remember telling my my best friend in Italian, like, yo, get this kid out of here. He's not with us. He's, he's, he's with Zab's camp. You know? so, and it's funny because now uh, I've actually uh, I actually invested a, a couple of percentage points at his uh, primetime chicken business. You know, he's got like this chicken mm-hmm. wings business, you know. So we're, yeah. you know, we're business partners. But... You know, also, I, I've before around the time I did that, I remember talking to him and be like, bro, you've come such a long way. You always could fight, but you've actually come in such a mature way. Sure, yeah. you always have your, you know, he's still a 20, uh, an early 20s kid. So, yeah, he's not going to be the perfectly mature kid. But the, yeah. the, the road he's traveled and, and, and where he's come to, where he's, what he's arrived and where he's going to, it really makes somebody like me who's older and has kind of traveled this road already and seeing him accomplish it and seeing him do it and seeing where he came from, you know, that annoying kid. I'm like, bro, you know what? You've really matured a lot. I was like, I'm really proud to tell you that, you know, like it really is something special to see right before my eyes, you know? I mean, it makes me feel old that I can grow. see people, that I can see people just maturing right before my eyes, but it really yeah. is something. So I, I it's uh the when it comes to the the outfits and the hairstyles, I completely get it. I completely understand it. That's the Brooklyn and Chris, and uh, it's Brooklyn. You know, uh, it's some of Brooklyn. us have more Brooklyn in us than others, I guess. <laughs> right in the news this week, um, Paulie, you have a fight signed. <laughs> I wasn't gonna start with that, and then I thought, do you know what? Paulie you know what has a fight signed. You know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. It, it's just, it's too easy to pass up, man. You know what I'm saying? It's too easy to pass up. Like, I really tried to pass it up and say, you know, this is too stupid. This is too. But it's gotten so much attention, Dan. It's gotten so much attention that even I am, like, dumbfounded, bro. I mean, I'm, I've been in gossip sections of, of major newspaper publications. You know what I mean? Where I wasn't even in those gossip sections most of the time when I was a world champion boxer. I was getting covered in the sports section, you know? So I'm like. Is this really going to happen? Is it really going to wind up this way? And I'm like, this kid is going to come to his senses. And this kid, eventually, he's going to come to his senses and realize he's barking up the wrong tree. And instead, I mean, you know what it is, too? He's got that morning radio show, which is a big morning radio show, and it's big cities like Miami and New York City. And I think it's just anytime he talks about it, he probably talked about it this morning. Who knows? Just like we're talking about it, you know? So um, I think it's uh, it's really pushed the issue. And, and, and I've got, I mean, my entire direct messages are either – are full right now these days my direct messages are full of either it's coming home by english fans or <laughs> or where's your neck by Corey b fans <laughs> so it's it's one or the other so and how, I, how I did absolutely... it happen how did how did it even come about paulie as in oh, obviously we, we felt it brewing we did feel it but then now, when did it become i feel right, i feel gonna, i feel like i was it. i feel like it was uh um sort of 
I don't know. I feel like he was looking for something, you know, because I heard him talking on the radio and I listen to that station sometimes and I heard him talking on the radio. And once he started with all this, I know he's got a TikTok following and I know he's got an Instagram following and all this. So once he started with this talk, I'm like, don't tell me it's another one, man. You know, don't tell me this is another another one of these moronic Internet idiots just going to try to just tap into boxing and 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 sell more than f- real fights. The fights are gonna yeah. be stupid as they always are, and then you know they're gonna get end up getting paid more than real fighters, even mm-hmm. though the fights are stupid as they are. Because let's let's face it, do we, have we really had a classic TikToker, Instagrammer, uh, uh, influencer fight yet? Where we're like, oh my god, that was one for the ages. No, they're all one stupider than the other. They're all waste of time, right? So so I'm like, don't tell me it's another guy. Don't tell me this guy. And I hear him talking, and I'm like, don't, he's probably not leading to this. Maybe he's just talking about working out. And then he's like, you know, these guys in the gym, they thought I was pros, you know? And I'm like, yeah, right. You know, I've trained in these New York gyms, bro. Nobody's thinking you're a pro if you're not a pro. Like, nobody, you know, you can be a standout (laughs) amateur, but you're not sticking out because these guys see champion on top of champion on top of champion. Like, you're not sticking out to these guys. So I call up a station, like, listen, bro, listen, let me through through this guy. Uh, I got to give my two cents. And I'm like, listen, bro. I totally get where you're going with this. You know what I mean? I totally get it. But relax on the pro stuff. I know where you're angling with that. You and I both know nobody said that stuff to you. Nobody was complimenting you to that degree. Relax. And then we kind of went back and forth. And he kind of started getting disrespectful. You know, I felt like he was really disrespectful. And I was like, you know what, bro? Let me tell you. Let me, I'm going to put it to you like this. You can talk all you want from your radio station. I'll talk to you from my phone. You can talk from your studio. But you and I both know that if I'm in the station with you, if I'm in that room with you right now, you're going to stay quiet. And you're going to let me tell you, tell it to you exactly how it is. And you're not going to contradict me. Because I'd be in your face. And it's different to say the things you're saying right now, the disrespectful stuff you're saying right now, in my face. Because you know there's consequences. And from there, it kind of let off. It kind of blew off. You know, I, I, yeah. uh, I was commentating the show. And uh, he showed up, and I guess he wanted to prove to me that in person he could be the same guy. But it really wasn't. I mean, he hit me with that powder smack, but he ran away. He ran off. You know, I had to go chase him. He ran off. So did he really? Did he really accomplish anything? I don't know. I don't know. So that's kind of. Have the, we got a date? Have we got a date? Have we got a venue? Have we um, got anything? We're looking at October 10th in Miami. Uh, that's what I've been told. Right, box up. Put that in your diaries, all the fans. Ever <laughs> if if it is, it's going. I'm telling you, I wait, I, it's going October to be. 10th. I'm gonna make this a comedy show. I don't know if any of you have seen the movie Great White Hype with Damon Wayans and Peter Berg. Okay, um, it's a little bit old for the new generation. Now it's from 1996, I believe, or 95. Um, where Damon Wayans is sort of like this. Uh, this. I have you seen it, Dan? Have you seen the, the Great White Hype? No, I haven't. Okay, you're, you're a little bit younger too. So, okay, The Great White Hype is basically a movie about how old-time boxing, they were always trying to find a, 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 a champion white guy uh, to, yeah. be, to hype up because they sell more and they're going to make more money, right? And so Damon Wayans yeah. was sort of like the Mike Tyson at the time where he'd been knocking everybody out and he was retired, yeah. you know, and he was kind of like retired. He retired undefeated. He was the champion. And they built up this white guy to win the title. They built up this white guy to win the title and make a big name. But they needed to get... Damon Wayne's out of retirement in order to get this guy a, look, a credible win and really blow up the fact that he's white and he's a champion and all this other stuff. So yeah. Damon Wayne takes a fight and doesn't train for it. He's eating cake. He's smoking cigarettes while he's hitting the bag, all this other stuff. Yeah. And he shows up to the fight with a gut. And then he knocks out Peter Berg in one round. <laughs> so, so that was the whole point of the great white hype, you know? So basically, I was looking at it, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to treat this guy like the great white hype, bro. I'm telling you. I don't even have to break my no, schedule. Yeah, like, I'm, I don't have to break my schedule. I can train sporadically. I'm going to beat this guy up with one hand. I'm going to use one hand because I fought 
actual pros on one hand and one fights on one hand. I'm going to beat this guy with one hand, and I'm going to look like Roy Jones Jr. doing it, where I'm repeating hooks, jabbing off the hook, and uh, hooking, hooking off the jab, and all, and all this other stuff. I'm telling you. Only thing I'm going to be using my right hand for is defense. I'll, I'll parry. I'll catch your shots. I'm yeah. going to beat the life out of him with one hand. I'm telling you, I might stop him with a body shot. I might stop him with a left hook to the body. That's what I'm gonna. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to make a point of it because guys who never really boxed really underestimate the 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 the, the power of body shots. Of someone who could, they yeah. they totally are clueless. You, you see guys so many times saying, "Oh, well, how does he get dropped to the body?" And then you feel one, and you're like, "Okay, now you understand." I may just make a point of it. Can use one hand and make a point of it to rip his body apart. I'll be there. I want ringside seats. I'm meant to be in Miami. <laughs> In October 20th, anyway, I'm just going to oh, move so that slightly So it works forward. out perfectly, Dan. There we go. <laughs> we'll Easy. Do, we'll do the That's show <laughs> from the ring right after. Because I want, in return, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to propose this. I'm going to propose that if this kid beats me, I'll step away from boxing completely. I'll step away from commentating, yep. fighting. Every, I will disappear from boxing together. But if I win, he's got to admit to the world, listen, you don't play boxing. It, this, it, it, this stuff is not a, really a game. You can get hurt. I, and we might we might have to do a show right from the ring in the post fight and have him as yep. on as a guest he and, and admitting be. admitting this yep. on our show because they, they, he's got he's got a he's got a uh, uh, he's got a he's got to be willing to admit that once he loses. That he's got on this. He's going to understand that this is not a game, and he's going to be willing to admit that, so he can save somebody else in his position the trouble of a beating that he's going to catch. Put it in the contract. Put it in the contract. Yeah, uh, also, a guest on boxer after. I'll be nice after. There we Maybe go. if he's there lucky, I'll be nice exactly. After. Everyone likes it afterwards. <laughs> um, also, we've got Tank, Ryan Garcia. I mean, Ryan Garcia's team won it. Oscar De La Hoya wants it. It doesn't look like it's going to happen, although everyone wants it. But Ryan Garcia is adamant that that is the only fight he wants. Yeah, there's a lot of talk. Um, it's really getting uh, into the gossip section of, of in boxing for sure. You know, yeah. a lot of uh, he said this, she said this kind of stuff. You know, um, the thing that worries me about making that fight is that, um, you know, Floyd recently said he's going to fight only PBC and, exactly. and Mayweather yeah. Promotions fighters with Jamonta Davis. We keep the money in-house. So... If it just winds up being about only money, you sort of diminish the ability for this guy to, you know, create a big, big name for himself. I think the Mario Barrios fight was a, a big win for him. It was probably the, the best yep. one of, of Javante's win career thus far. Yep. Uh, the, the, the Ryan Garcia fight has really superstar potential for both guys, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, Ryan is a, is a bona fide star without a world title. Javante is a bona fide star with a fake world title, but nonetheless, yep. he's still a bona fide star. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think that, you know, it's crazy how this fight would be so big, even without um, a legitimate world championship on the line. People, everybody knows these guys at this point. They, they, they sell like crazy. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think it would be a real shame if, if, if they legitimately want to fight and this fight can't get made. It would be a real shame. But. You know, that's the uh, politics it of boxing. It has to happen. I mean, do you know what it is? Uh, we are so used to understanding and working out who the best of an era is. That is that's like one of the things that you do. You look back a decade and, and you work out who really was the best, even though they didn't fight each other for years and years and years. When it did finally happen, we were able to figure out who was the best of that era. If these fighters don't fight each other, we will never figure that out going forward. Yeah, and and it's they're starting to set the pattern really. You know, it's starting to happen yeah. more and more. Uh, Spence and Crawford. You know, um, it's starting to set a, a, a worrying pattern. 
that it's becoming yeah. like MMA in that they all have their their there's divided promotions and they become exclusive to those promotions, you know, and yeah. they can't find anybody. You know, the MMA does this too. Um, they claim they don't because they only watch, most people in America only watch the UFC. But you know, there's great fighters at one at one uh, fighting championship in Asia. Terrific fighters, you know. Um, yeah. There's good fighters in Bellator. There's good fighters in um, a lot of other um, MMA promotions, and they don't ever cross over either. Um, but but the but the UFC kind of does a good job of branding themselves as as the premier uh, um, fighting championship in MMA, even though in a lot of weight classes they're not. But nonetheless, um, I, I I worry that boxing is getting to that point too. Um, these new fighting sports are starting to do that. Even now, bare knuckle fighting does this, where they only yeah. fight fighters with the same promotion, and you can't fight guys outside the promotion. Boxing is before all this sh- these shenanigans happen, so cross promotional fights did happen, but it's getting harder and harder. And the worrying trend is that it, it's starting to become like these other s- combat sports, where the the uh, uh, exclusivity becomes so concrete that you can't make these cross-promotional fights. And it's really a shame. It actually started with uh, uh, wrestling, professional wrestling, when Vince McMahon did it with WWF. Uh, actually, Vince McMahon Sr., not even the son. Vince McMahon Sr. first did it. You know, and then uh, I think... Uh, Hold on. That, that Vince model. McMahon, Vince McMahon's dad yeah. is called Vince McMahon. Yeah. And there's, McMahon. A, there's another one above him. There's Vince McMahon, there's Shane McMahon, there's Vince McMahon, yeah. and there's Victor yeah. McMahon Senior who passed away years ago. But he was the oh, he was the original wow. cre- the original creator uh, back in the early WrestleMania days, like WrestleMania one, two. You know, there was Vince McMahon okay. uh, Senior. So and, I only really I'm from the Attitude Era. Yeah, and if you so. <laughs> the Attitude Era, I like that era too. But I come right from before it. The Attitude Era. It's funny because I that I came from the era before it, and then I stopped watching. And the Attitude Era brought me back because it was so funny yeah. with The Rock and Stone Cold and DX, yeah. and I was so funny that I couldn't help but watch. Um, but um, Vince McMahon Senior uh, was the original president, and um, this the son was actually a commentator. Uh, he would commentate yeah. the fights. You know, Vince McMahon Jr. Yeah. would uh, commentate the fights. You know, everybody now knows Vince now as the boss, but he was yeah. basically just the com- uh, The father put the son as, as in, in the commentating booth to commentate the wrestling. And he was a uh, uh, babyface commentator. You know, he would always favor the, the good guys. You know, <laughs> and yeah. uh, and the other and uh, and uh, the other guys would favor the the bad guys. You know, so so uh, that's how. But going back to what I was saying, the model was started by Vince McMahon first, and then uh, and then it continued into his son and everything else and they bought out WCW and all the other promotions and yeah. wrestling still has this model to this day because AEW has started but it's a separate yes. motion from WWF right or WWE yeah. as it's called now um, well but at least you, then because I remember a specific time when WCW tried to invade WWE and, Vince, uh, and uh, Stone Cold had to come from the bar running and did around 30 stunners in the ring to save us <laughs> that was and so, again, so at least they knew that they have to collaborate at some points, even if yeah. it's only special occasions and for big fights. But boxing yeah. has to take that as well. We can't not have the well, huge you know, fights. You know, the problem here is here's how it happens. And Dana White and, and the Fertitta brothers tried to do this with the UFC. They, you start buying out the competition. The, the WWF ended up buying out WCW, right? And for a, while, for a long time, it was the only promotion in town. It was the only game in town if you wanted to wrestle. Uh, now you have AEW. Um, MMA tried the same... Uh, the UFC tried the same model where they they started to buy out the Pride Fighting Championships. They bought out Elite XC. They bought out uh, um, the the other one that was on Showtime. I forgot uh, what it was called, but they bought those out too. Um, it was uh, 
it, they started buying out all the competition. They took the page. I mean, it was the page right out of Vince McMahon's uh, playbook, you know. Um, and now, just like in wrestling, that AEW has kind of created a, a following. MMA is now starting to finally be able to create com competing entities. I mean, in Asia, Asia's one fighting championship has tons of money. I mean, they've got a lot of weight classes. That they have better fighters than the UFC. It's just nobody knows them here in, in the U.S. But I remember Demetrius Johnson had like a, an, a crazy winning streak in the UFC. He's gone over to one, and he's gotten beat twice already. You know what I'm saying? So so it's not like they're the premier MMA brand. They might be. It's in, it's in the discussion. But they are the most promoted here in, in, on the, in the U.S. Uh, and even in Europe. So that leaves you the question... If boxing becomes like this, that means somebody has to buy out everybody else. That's the unfortunate thing, right? I mean, that's where it's going to wind up being. Are we going to become like that? You know, because then what does that do? That monopolizes the market. Whether everybody believes it or not, whether yeah, I know the UFC fighters lost that court case, it still monopolizes the market because once you're the only game in town, fighters cannot make the same amount of money. So um, it, 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 it's a catch-22. You may get the fights you want, but, but the fighters are not going to be able to, you know, make that Mayweather-type money ever again. Talking about money, Caleb Plant seems to be refusing to budge from his 10 million asking price to fight Canelo. Do you feel like he's overestimating himself? Do you feel like he's right with he's within his rights to to say to dig his heels in and be like, no, that's what I'm worth and that's what I want? I I, I mean I, I, I don't see why he wouldn't get shouldn't get ten million dollars. If Canelo gets a thirty five million dollar guarantee every fight, you know, and, and Plant has earned a place there and he's the IBF champion of the world and all this other stuff. I mean, I don't I don't see how you would make it that much of a difference of a split. If Canelo's got a $35 million guarantee and, and you don't even want to give Caleb 10 and he's also a champion undefeated, uh, has, has, has shown his worth. Listen, I, I, I favor Canelo in the fight but Plant deserves his worth. I'm sorry. and, and you, you, you can't you can't scumbag the guy like that, you know? Uh, I don't I don't, uh, I don't think it's uh. I don't think he's he's uh, he's coming out of pocket to, to want ten million dollars because Canelo's still gonna make a lot more money than him, and he's not complaining about that. He just wants his ten million dollars. Some fighters are calling him scared for saying for for digging his heels in. Uh, Benavidez said Caleb Plant scared. You know that's why he's he's asking for ten mil because he knows yeah, it's, that's, it's that's, what that's, they're not gonna like. Yeah, of course it's game it's gamesmanship. Um, I wouldn't expect David Benavidez to accept less than ten million either, though. You know what I'm saying? I, I um, yeah. fighters of that level should get uh, get paid if they're fighting Canelo. You know, I don't, I don't understand yeah. what. I don't even think it's a big ask. You know, especially yeah. with the inflation rates rising in the world today and everything. Ten million dollars today ain't what ten million dollars was ten years ago. You know, so so yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with Caleb being worth ten million to fight Canelo or or even David Benavides for that matter. I mean, I, yeah. David Benavides is 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 uh is um criticizing Caleb as if. If David was in his position, he'd take the fight for less. I, I, I mean, I don't think he should. I don't think anybody should in that position. Yeah. Anybody in that position, anyway. You know, well, yeah, he's, he's the cash cow of boxing right now. And, and if if you come up against him, yeah, it's dollar signs. You see dollar yeah. signs, and I yeah. feel like you should. You and know, you're not. It's not like he's asking more. for more. I mean, he's still getting yeah less than a. He's still getting less than a third of, of what Canelo's making. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's so it's not like he's asking for the same money. He's, he, he knows his his reach. He's, he's not come. I don't think he's over asking. I don't. I don't think it's. He, uh, he, it's, it's probably because they understand what the, the risk factor in doing this with the Canelo camp is that they understand they are the A side. They are the cash cars. They have loads of options at loads of weights. And then we when we hear things like the Canelo camp are looking at, uh, Bitter as an opponent. That's when you start to think, oof. You know that 
he might just go in a completely different direction. If you try and stall them out for too long, he could end up going up to light heavy and fighting there in a fight that I'm not even sure he should take. But if he does, I commend him big time. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, I guess he's he's got the other options. He's trying to scare you with that. I mean, yep. listen, it's hard to walk away from that fight. I mean, it's hard to, you know. Uh, they give you a little less than 10. I mean, it's still big money. It's just, it's just it's not fair, you know what I'm saying? But then maybe you take more anger into the fight if he forces you to take it for less and, and try to beat his ass. I don't know. You know, it's, I guess. Uh, maybe. Obviously. You never know. You never know. What right. do you if make of? If you got to take eight, the eight, if you got to get take eight instead of ten, maybe you take it for eight and then take the other two in, 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 in beating. Give, take the other two from him. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> Beat him up for the other two. You know? <laughs> Canelo obviously has loads of options at loads of weights. There is talks of him going up to light heavyweight and either fighting Bitabiev or Bivol. It seems like they'll go straight after Bivol, if I'm totally honest, rather than risking it. Um, do you think it will happen? Do you think it should happen? I mean, I think Bivol is, is world-class, and I think Bitabiev is world-class. Um, yeah. I think it's really, really interesting, you know? Um, Bitabiev has shown a little bit of, a, of, a, of, of being able to be dented with his chin. Um, he got dropped by Callum Johnson, I remember. Um, Bivol has too, but then again, Joe Smith can hurt anybody he hits on the chin, so it's a bit bit, a bit different. So, But, and I, I, it's a really hard fights. Those are really hard fights. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't criticize Canelo for not taking fights a lot heavyweight against guys like that. I mean, it's a, it's a bigger weight class. He's out of his weight class. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, if he wants to, you know, and, and, and people are going to give him credit for it, sure, I understand that whole thing. But I wouldn't be one of those guys that if Canelo cleans out 168, oh, now he has to fight 175, he has to fight Bivol, and he has to fight Bitterbeef. I would not be one of those guys, you know, because I, I kind of understand. Do, do you think he cares much about legacy? You see, like, we've seen it year, year after year. We see fighters trying to fly through the, rate, uh, through the weight. Uh, Pacquiao, I think, is a, a eight-division champion. I'm not sure that will ever be done again. But just trying to get titles at different weights, even if you see, you know, a, a potentially weak opponent up there somewhere at, at cruiserweight i wouldn't put it past canelo going up there to try and nick it yeah i don't know i don't know i i, I at that point we start getting into the into those, into those weird conversations nobody wants to have you know i mean yeah like, you know how many weight classes are we gonna go through you know before, <laughs> well, this before, is the before, thing you know before certain before before certain things become so obvious that you got to be a moron not to see it you know like I oh like, at that point, that's why I don't even go there. You know? I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. You know, you can make Canelo Anthony Joshua in a couple of years, and, and, and they will be a big part of the boxing population dumb enough to think, like, it's a legitimate fight, you know? So it's like... Yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah. you know what? You're right. Canelo, 175 is your... That's that's your limit. I'm sorry. Yeah. You go any higher than that, and I'm going to be squinting looking at you. Cool. Right, on this day, and we have a special one this week, because on the 7th of the 7th, 20 years ago... Paulie, you made your debut. Yeah, my pro debut. I can't believe it's been 20 years, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. I've got to find. The problem is I'm in Florida and all my pictures are in New York. I've got to find some pictures from that night. I've got them, like, you know, the physical pictures from that night. Because at that time, that's what you mostly had, you know. I've got to try to find something. Maybe post it next week. Because I guess I won't be able to post it on the 7th. I'll still be down here in Florida. What's but, your, uh, what's, what was your debut like? What Do, do you feel... Super nervous, obviously. You, you, yeah, I'm guessing yeah. you weren't matched extremely hard. No, no, I wasn't matched hard at all. The guy was like a, a pushover, but 
I don't know. Just to feel, you know, for me, it was the first time with no headgears. Uh, I was trying to spar with no headgears in the gym. I remember just to get used to things, you know. Uh, but then I just remember telling myself, you know what? I've been in fights in the street. I've been in fights in school, you know. Like I've, let me just, just, just don't overthink it. Just fight, you know. And that's kind of what I did. But I, the fight ended so fast that in reality, my my true pro debut was probably my second pro fight where I had some resistance and you know the fight went some rounds and I kind of got myself matured into the fight because I probably was a bit nervous even for the first round or two of my second pro fight because it was my first true rounds of, as a pro. And then you could kind of see it um, as the fight went into third and fourth round of my second pro fight. You could kind of see the more natural side of me come out. Um, and then from then on, I was like a pro. My third fight, my fourth fight, whatever, you know. From well, then on, so it, it, didn't, it didn't take you too long in terms of fights to be able to treat it like a fight from the first round and not be too yeah. nervous. And you yeah, well, you know what it is? Fight. It's like... Uh, you don't want to use your anxiety to freeze you. You want to make sure you act, you know, you react yeah. or whatever, you know. Um, sort of like uh, Rocky tells uh, Tommy Gunn in Rocky Five. It's Frankie yes. Fear, you know. Fear is yeah. your best friend. It makes you either, it either consumes you or it makes you fight. And that was a yeah. really a great analogy, even if it's in a movie, you know, because, you know, your anxiety can keep make you gun shy. Your anxiety can make you mm -hmm. fight. And I, I, I remember telling myself, no matter what, you know, a push comes to shove. If you don't feel sharp, just fight and that's it if you don't feel because you know yeah. your anxiety can make you not sharp because you know you just yeah. you know you yeah so i was like you know what if it comes to that you gotta just fight and that's it man you're tough yeah you know you're tough you know what you've done you know you what you can do you know what you've been through you just gotta fight and that's it and i kind of just fought my way through the anxiety you know and then like in a few rounds then i started kind of calming myself down and kind of setting myself and from then on you know you're a pro and that's it well that's the best way to end the episode that you could possibly have uh, as always, remember, like, comment, subscribe. Send us your training videos. Send us your sparring. Send us all of that. Thank you to the Tumor Co., our sponsor for this episode. And we'll see you next week. Go Forza Italia!